If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You just found the most downloaded fitness, health, and entertainment podcast. This is Mind Pump. Oh my God, here we go. Brand new MAPS program launched right now. In fact, today's episode, we talk all about it. Old time strength. Here's what we did. We tapped into the wisdom of the bronze era of strength training. These were men and women who worked out with weights in the late 1800s, early 1900s. They built incredible physiques and performed amazing feats of strength, diving through their training methods and techniques. There was so much we learned, so much wisdom that's been lost throughout the years because of fancy gym equipment and crazy exercise techniques. We wrote an entire program based off of how they trained, and we know you're going to love it. People are going to get incredible results, especially when it comes to muscular development of the mid-back, shoulders, the core, and the glutes. It's going to be super awesome. Now, this episode is brought to you by one of our sponsors, Intera Skin Care. Uh, they have a product for hair loss that is based on peptides. Go check them out. Go to enteraskincare.com forward slash MPM for 10% off your order. By the way, Old Time is being launched right now. So we have a launch discount because what we do when we first launch a program, we offer a sale price. If you go to mapsoldtime.com and use the code OLD80, you'll get it for $80 off plus two ebooks for free. The ebooks are Forgotten Muscle and Strength Building Secrets and then Jay Campbell's ebook, Living a Fully Optimized Life, all, all included $80 off if you go to, again, mapsoldtime.com. Use the code OLD80. By the way, this sale ends August 27th. All right, here comes the show. What if I told you over the last 100 years we've forgotten more than we know when it comes to strength training and muscle building? What if I told you that the bronze era of strength building has some incredible wisdom that we're missing out on today? We're not building as much muscle. We're not as strong or as solid as we could be because of fancy equipment, and lots of modern techniques. Today's episode, we're going to talk about a new program, Old Time Strength. It's a new program we created based on the wisdom of the bronze era of strength training. Men and women performing incredible feats of strength before supplements, steroids, creatine, before fancy equipment, before gyms even were a thing. These people did incredible things, and we know how they trained. We broke it down, and we created a program around it. Let's talk. Maybe, oh, maybe a better oh, intro. Yes. Maybe a little bit better intro than mine. Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> hey, so first let's talk hey, about- Hey, and looked good. You missed that part, because oh. that's, a, that's the part yeah. that I didn't know. Yeah. I just didn't see a lot of pictures of the old-time strength guys, and at least the ones I saw didn't uh, look that impressive until we started talking about it. Now, so this is one of those things that uh, we had in common, and this is something we've talked about since the beginning of Mind Pump, was just yeah. like our sort of research and, and historical references of some of these people that really were like uh, the legends that we've all built uh, where fitness is today off of. And it's like, we just, we just went right past all of this like wealth of knowledge and, and wisdom. And it's really awesome that we're bringing it back. It's like, it's weird that it's not like super popular. It, this, I so saw, this was a, a huge deal for me right around, God, I want to say 16 years ago. Um, I, I bought a book 
that talked about um, old strength training techniques. Uh, it was called Dinosaur Training. This is an old strength manual. It's like a crappy looking book. It's not even super well written, but there's some good information in there. And I was reading it and I, I, I as I'm reading, I'm like, oh my God, I've never tried some of these things. And these, mm -hmm. you know, people used to train this way. This is very interesting. I applied some of these techniques and my strength started going through the roof. So I went and I started researching. I started researching um, like people of the bronze era, which would be referred to like as the 18, the, the late 1800s to like the 1920s or so of strength training. And when I looked up statistics on some of these people, I first I thought, oh, this has got to be like myth, you know, like where, the, you know, people tell stories over and over. Is this real? Right. But these were well-documented. I mean, this wasn't before people could write, you know, down what's going on and, and people can confirm the truth. And I remember reading about like Eugene Sandow, who's one of the most well-known bronze era strength athletes. He's actually the, the person that the Mr. Mr. Olympia, Olympia yeah. statues is molded after. He did a one-arm bent press with 270 pounds. This is a 190-pound, I believe, yeah. athlete. Crazy muscular, hard physique, not overblown, you know, no steroids, nothing crazy. But today would still, if you saw him walking around, you'd think was very impressive. But 270 pounds with one arm. And I said, this is insane. I don't know anybody that could do something like that now, pro athlete or not. So I went back and I started researching and reading how they trained. And there were things that they did that nobody did anymore. There were techniques and exercises that nobody practiced anymore. And then I started to apply them. And again, it was just, it blew me away. And then I thought about like other, you know, how or why we lost so much of this wisdom. And it's just, this happens with a lot of uh, practices over time when new things are invented, new Equipment is invented, air conditioning, mm -hmm. we're attracting a broader audience or broader, you know, uh, consumer base. So they start to just change things. And through that, although a lot of the changes have value, we forget some of the old stuff. Um, and uh, you see this in, in other things. Um, one of my favorite examples of this is, is martial arts. I love using martial arts as an example to illustrate what I'm talking about with strength training. When... Uh, martial artists, for example, used to focus a lot on hardening their hands, just getting hard, strong knuckles and skin. Fighters don't do that anymore at all because they added gloves mm -hmm. to fighting. Uh, they added rounds to fighting. In the past, fighters focused on like grit and toughness and taking a punch and whatever. In, 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 if they got in a clinch, that was it. They're in a clinch until somebody hit the other guy or figured out how to do something rounds and gloves and shoes changed how people through punches and kicks and how they learn techniques. It's not unlike how we train today versus how they trained back then when all they had was a barbell and dumbbells and that's it. Uh, they didn't even have a rack often in the beginning, they even have benches mm -hmm. and they built these incredible physiques with, yeah, they uh, just used that. what was accessible and available around them. And it was a totally different lifestyle back then was like really hard labor and you know them working these types of jobs that were just very demanding on the body and so it was like to be physically strong was like such a uh, something to aspire towards and, and show off you know it was like very much of a virtue uh, because too that meant that you're going to probably be really good at at whatever work you're doing as well and it's just something like a lot of people admired because 
too, it was so new that like, I don't think a lot of people really knew how to get involved and train to become that strong. Obviously these individuals did know how to do that and then later conveyed that and it became kind of a movement. Uh, but initially it was almost like, it was like a sideshow thing. Like, it's like yeah. wow, how do these guys and girls do these types of, of lifts? And it's, it was so such a mystery, uh, back then. I'm just glad we're doing something, uh, in this direction because I feel like it's out of respect, right? Like yeah. nothing, nothing that we yeah. do, everything from the career path that we chose to the bodybuilding shows that we watch and all the great equipment that exists today and supplement and all the things in, uh, that are a part of our industry. None of it happens if it wasn't for this era. None of it happens if it wasn't for these guys and girls that decided to, to experiment and figure this out. So I think just if with any industry or any space, I think it's so important to credit those that paved the way for the rest of us. Definitely. And it is unfortunate that I think we've lost a lot of these things. It wasn't until later in my career did I start to do some of these movements like the Ben Press and the windmill and these like an old school hack squat, like a lot of these movements that they were doing way back then. And it's, it's unfortunate that they have fallen out of favor. And so highlighting them and bringing them back, I think is, is not only fun, but also something that we should do just out of respect for the people that paved the way. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, the other part too. And this is the part that surprised you, Adam. Uh, Cause I remember when, when we first were, when I would talk about this kind of stuff and, and, you know, Justin was kind of into it. And then you saw some pictures of some of these, uh, these athletes from back then and you were shocked. Yeah. At the physiques yeah. That they built. And you, you know, know why? Because the way it was promoted was like the circus, like you alluded like the to kind of chubby looking. Yeah. Guys. Like with the, you know, the Tarzan looking yeah. thing on, <laughs> yeah. and they always had like a belly and the crazy mustache. Yeah. And it just, so when I pictured old timey strong men, I did not picture like some of the best physiques back then with, which is not true at all. The, the, some of these athletes, actually looked really, really, especially considering when you know that it was pre-supplements, pre-machines, pre-steroids. So here's what's interesting about this. So the average person, if the average person sees a body that looks very fit, there's something about a body that is actually functionally fit and strong that seems to be more attractive in the real world. Now, those of us in the space I could pick it out if I look at a body. I can almost, you know, we can almost always tell, right? If there's, if they just work out a gym for, you know, aesthetics or if they work out, but then there's something, there's also some stuff behind it. Here's what's interesting to me. If you look at Greek statues, uh, like Hercules uh, or David or all these, these, these ancient Greek sculptures uh, and people, you know, refer to Greek, being a Greek statue if you're really fit, right? Because these, this is kind of like, when when people were modalizing aesthetics, right? If you look at them, you'll notice a few interesting things. One is they all had very strong looking core muscles. Yeah, especially obliques. They had thick, strong obliques and core muscles. Yeah. They had strong proportional legs. Mm -hmm. They had well-developed arms, but it wasn't all bicep and tricep. They had well-developed forearms and hands. Mm -hmm. They had really strong looking shoulders. Well, they had defined chest muscles, not these huge bulbous boobs, but defined strong chest muscles, very thick mid back area. Now the Greeks based these sculptures off of athletes and warriors and soldiers. Same thing with the Roman sculptures. They didn't 
just they they literally based them off of the best athletes at the time. So what they were displaying was what functional yeah. muscularity and strength looks like. When you look at pictures of these old time athletes, that's what they look like. The, even if you take a bodybuilder today at the same body weight as these athletes, they're both impressive looking, but there's something different mm -hmm. about these bronze era athletes. They look harder. Yeah. They look strong. They look, and, and, and if you were to meet them both in person, I guarantee you one of them would feel more uh, muscular, imposing, or impressive. And you just know this instinctually. It's not even yeah. something you're- One of them would of. crush your hand into smithereens <laughs> while the other one, you know, would feel quite a bit different. But yeah, it's it's definitely a different physical look. And that was that was something too. I kind of did have that same thought of back in the day. Because you think of a lot of these types of uh, strength lifts and competitions, and especially even powerlifters today, a lot of times get this sort of stigma where they don't really care as much about their nutrition. And so you get the big- you know, if you're big, it's that's it's just about packing mass and like how much weight you can you can move and lift and and so my thoughts of back then was like it, it's probably the similar thing where it's like as much calories as you can eat to be able to kind of just perform the lift and lift as heavy as you can, but really they looked like like top pinnacle physical specimens. Yeah, the, the other things that stood out that stand out is the hardness of the physique. It looks hard, so it's not like bulbous round, like kind of, you know, bubbly type muscle. It's, they look hard. They just, there's just a look that you get when you train a particular way. We've talked about this on the podcast, heavy lifting tends to promote this and it, you could feel it when you do it yourself. There's no studies to support this. I don't think any studies have ever done on, on something like this. so subjective, but people who've been working out for a long time will tell you that. Here's another thing. This is a very distinct characteristic of lifters of this era. They were all way stronger than their size would tell you. They mm. were all, ex like, you would expect a person who could one arm bent press 270 pounds to weigh 250 pounds, okay? You would not expect them to weigh 185 or 190 pounds. All of them were so much stronger than you would imagine. And that was because this was an era or a time when, you know, what you look like was a side effect. People were not impressed with how you looked, unless you could do something with it. In fact, it would be embarrassing to look a particular way and not actually be able to back it up with lots of strength. And, and what they did in order to, to earn a living, many of them had jobs, but many of them also on the side would perform these, uh, like these, these shows where they would demonstrate their skills and strength. And so they were just, that's like a huge defining characteristic is extremely strong for their size. So, and that's really, really beneficial for people to develop because it makes you so functional. It makes you feel so good. makes moving your body feel easy, really easy. It reduces your risk of injury. Um, and it's just, it, it's better to live in the world being a lot stronger than you look than looking a lot stronger than you are. Their, their overhead pressing movements were really impressive to me. It seems like that's something that- That was a big test of strength. We mm -hmm. stopped doing a lot of, right? Like, I mean, I think of all the clients <clears throat> that I train and probably one of the most common things that I dealt with with advanced age clients was just the inability to even raise your arm mm -hmm. uh, above your head. You know, that becomes like this, like, and we just, have, we lose that. We don't do that. We don't teach it. We didn't highlight it as much where I felt like 
everything they did seemed to be like overhead, like and a lot of the movements because they didn't have all the gym equipment. They'd have to clean it, right? Yeah. Clean it and put it up over their head. You before didn't have they... a squat rack. You had to pick it up from the ground to even to put it on your back. Right. So I, I feel like because that, that ends up being a prerequisite for almost every other exercise, they had this incredible uh, overhead pressing strength that I really feel like this generation has, has lost. Like it's just, it's just so common to see somebody without the ability to even press over the head because of all kinds of issues. Incredible uh, strength, uh, also incredible muscular stamina, and then uh, stability because they wouldn't just lift the weight overhead. If you're doing a show, you had to hold it up there yeah, hold to be it, impressive. Carry it, move it. Yeah. yeah, you couldn't just lift it and drop it. That's not impressive to an audience. It was like lift it and then ah, hold it up there. And, the whole body looks like it's a chiseled out of granite because yeah. everything is so tense uh, and hard. It's like, uh, I mean, really you'll develop, basically training this way develops a very compact, hard, strong, muscular body. What, what's also interesting about training in the way that they train is because some of the exercises are so unique, because there's an emphasis on things that was almost never emphasized these days with extra, with workouts, you as an experienced lifter are going to feel like a beginner doing a lot of the stuff. Yeah. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. you, you, one of the, like, this is a, a hack for anybody who's experienced with, uh, with exercise. A hack is to find a way or an exercise that makes you, uh, begin, start at that beginner kind of new, newbie game curve. To make yes. it novel. We know novelty is so important in the adaptation process and, the longer you've been lifting, the more experienced you are, the less likely it is to find really novel stimulus because so many of the movements, you can only do so many different bicep curls in the gym before yeah. it's pretty much the same thing as yeah. the other hundred things you've done before. So to find a stimulus that is is novel is such a great strategy to see progression in, in your body. I'm going to yeah. give you an example of that. Uh, uh, sorry to cut you it's off, right. Justin, before I forget. Uh, we had we have people test out programs whenever we create them. Uh, one of our editors, Kyle, okay, muscular kid, strong guy, very strong guy. He followed this program and halfway through decided to test his deadlift, his regular deadlift. Crushed his PR, yeah, because of the the lateral stability you develop in your core. And then the thing he said was his hands. He couldn't believe yes. how strong his hands got. Strong hands, like the stability of the wrists. Yes. Um, yeah, what I was going to say was like, even, okay, so you're, you're talking from a feeling like a beginner, uh, and, and this is something that, uh, experienced lifters, we're always trying to kind of seek that novelty or find it in some direction. If you can think of like any modality that's out there right now. So let's even think of like athletic pursuits. Let's think of like CrossFit. Let's think of, uh, powerlifting, bodybuilding, endurance, like you name it, even martial arts you mentioned. Maybe martial arts is probably a little bit closer towards mm -hmm. this, but like these lifts, like who's ever out there saying, how much do you SOTS press, bro? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? how, What's that? Yeah. Who's bent pressing? You know, who's who's doing a lot of these things, uh, you know, seesawing? Uh, like there's just so many unique things that expose areas of your body that don't have stability. They don't have strength. They don't have the support system intact, which something like this fits in such a unique way, which I think it's going to blow people's minds that they're not strong uh, doing these types of movements, which then contributes towards whatever other pursuit 
um, you're going towards. So I don't know. I'm excited about it just because it's 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 going to be a very very humbling experience for people. It'll be humbling. It's going to also be real popular. I think people are going to be blown away at what uh, what their bodies do when they uh, follow just old wisdom. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, training has changed a lot. Uh, and it, unfortunately, unfortunately, right? Fitness is interesting. Fitness is, especially modern fitness, is so fad driven that, like, to, just to give an example, um, you know, I remember, you know, so I started working in the gyms in the late 90s, okay? In the late 90s, pro bodybuilders uh, wouldn't didn't do barbell squats. It was all about leg press. They did behind-the-neck shoulder presses. Uh, they did supinated grip barbell rows. Why? This Dorian Yates was the Mr. Olympia. Those are the lifts that he did. Um, so he did those, you know, types of exercises. So what did you see in the gyms? A lot of that. In fact, I saw more people in the mid to late 90s behind the neck pressing than I saw uh, regular military press. Regular military press got popular later when uh, Jay Cutler talked about overhead press. That's Overhead press is a classic exercise, but it, it follows fads, right? Barbell squatting. If you're listening to this right now and you've been working out for a while and you remember when you didn't barbell squat and then when you did and you saw the development, like that's because you tapped it to some, some old wisdom or deadlifting, right? Nobody deadlifted and then they started deadlifting. So it follows trends. Bodybuilding has had a huge influence on strength training, both good and bad. Part of what's bad about bodybuilding is because it, it comes from the fact that it glorifies completely the side effect of yeah, strength the training, look. which is the look. That's all the focus is on bodybuilding is the look. In fact, bodybuilders talk about this all the time. Like nobody cares what you can do when you get on stage. In fact, uh, I mean, the irony of bodybuilding is the weakest and most out of shape a bodybuilder will ever be is when they're on stage right. because they're so depleted, so dieted, they feel like complete garbage. Um, and, and that's when they're getting judged. That's when they're actually competing. Um, bodybuilding's focus on looks distorted what real strength uh, kind of looks like to a bit. So, for example, a tight waist is a display of health, especially in a male, right? Tight waist, wide shoulders. Now, bodybuilding, because they're being judged by their looks, they, they just exaggerated that to the point where people stop training their obliques properly and their core properly for fear of developing too properly thick or at all or at all. Yeah. In fact, to the extremes, they'll wear devices like squeams, which they wear like a corset to atrophy, actually weaken small, make muscle smaller in the core to overemphasize this weird small waist. You know, in, in, in the real world, a lean waist is a good thing. A tiny, tiny waist is a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're genetically have tiny little waist and, and super wide shoulders, you actually have less stability than somebody who's got a more like appropriately proportional yeah. waist. You're destined for back pain. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's just, it's just think about it, right? Yeah. It's just less. Um, there was a, a, uh, overdevelopment of the lats versus the mid back bodybuilding made the lat spread very popular, how wide your back was. Um, you know, the mid back, I mean, it's all important, but a really functionally strong, if you look at athletes and people who pick th like things up, uh, look at you know powerlifters and strongmen and football players. You'll notice mid back is very thick, very strong, very tight uh, because you need that to support your spine and to do functional things. What bodybuilding did is it reduced the emphasis of that and made it focused mostly on the lats. 
you also had an overemphasis on the upper arms versus the forearms. Now, your upper arms are supposed to be bigger than your than your lower arms, but not to the to the not extreme. disproportionately. Yeah. yeah, like like you want to be able to wear a long like a like a, a t shirt where the sleeves come down below your elbows. You want people to be able to tell you can work out by looking at your forearms. But if it looks like you have these skinny little forearms and then you got to pull up your sleeves to show your biceps, well, there's something not functional about that, right? So, so this is kind of, and then of course it was the, it was the muscle, the muscle focus versus uh, the focus on the skill, which is what um, they did back in those days. So really the, the way that they looked was a side effect of how they trained and how, because what they could do was so important, they focused heavily on what worked in terms of strength, heavily, heavily, heavily on what worked. And there's a lot of uh, wisdom that was really missed out, like uh, practicing lifts multiple times, um, high skill lifts, lifts that involve lateral stability and twisting, holding things above your head, the stability, the whole body stability that's required from something like that. Offset loading. Offset loading is not popular whatsoever in traditional strength training. Almost mm -hmm. all traditional strength training is balanced loading for safety. Okay, in the real world, are you ever balanced loading? Is there ever a load on you that's perfectly balanced like a barbell would be? You get so lucky if it is. Never. <laughs> it's always offset. So you're losing that, that, that ability and that strength. And if you've never trained that way, what will happen is when you start to train in these kind of new ways is you're going to, to tap into these, these newbie gains that you experienced when you first started working out, except you've been working out for a while now. That's exactly what I experienced doing these lifts. It's like, oh, wow, I'm responding like I when I first started working out, like when I first started deadlifting, yeah, because this is new. It's so interesting. I mean, all the load that we experience, you know, just on a daily basis, like most of it will move on you even, you know, like it's it's going to shift. It's like dog food or it's cement or it's what. And so your body just has to naturally know how to respond and be able to stabilize and control. And it's like we... We try to make sure that we're doing that well in the real world, but then we're not emulating that all uh, in our training practices and, and accounting for that. And so uh, it, it it's definitely like this is something that does highlight that and it shows not necessarily like the movement as much as just being able to really secure uh, this, this offset, this unbalanced type weight. So how was this one for you guys? This was for sure top three. Fun. Yeah. To create. Oh, yeah, oh my yeah, God. Yeah. yeah. I was like, so, I'm still so excited about this. Program, yeah. Man. It was, this was really cool. It was very unique. I think it uh, challenged our skills as far as like writing a program for this. So, and it's so different. Uh, completely than, different than anything else that we created before. So it kind of reminded me a little bit of that, that vibe we got when we wrote the first Maps Prime, you know, yeah. when we got mm -hmm. together like that. And it was, we had to really think outside the box the, then, then just slapping together a basic body. Uh, you know, composition type of program. Like this was really, I had, really unique. I had a lot of fun with this one because leading up to uh, when we went to go create it and actually put it on paper, um, we bought six books that were published yeah. uh, in the late 1800s or, or early 1900s by uh, many of these bronze era kind of strength experts. And you read, it's so, it was so cool. I, you know, I know I wrote down some quotes. I got to find them. It was so cool to read some of the uh, of the of the advice that they did that they wrote um, yeah. and how to train and um, you know you know how to how to do a lift and like okay so here's a quote from Eugene Sandow remember this is like 
I don't know when this book was, it was early 1900s. It's like a hundred years ago. Okay. The great thing to bear in mind is to proceed very gradually while exercising, put all, you know, into the work, but don't attempt to do too much exercise until the muscles ache, but never go onto the point of feeling thoroughly exhausted. This is wisdom right. that was written a hundred years ago. Yeah. It was a hundred years ago that, you know, he wrote that in his book. And I, I, I was all these books looking through them. It's very smart. Yeah. It was, uh, it was remarkable to see some of the stuff that they wrote and, and the exercises and how to do them and how you should feel. You know, he talked about, um, using, you know, taking cold showers. Remember at the time you're looking at the industrial revolution really starting to take steam. So life went from, you know, living in farms to starting to live in the cities. The quality of life started to improve quite rapidly. And he wrote about uh, becoming too comfortable mm. and how taking cold showers every day strengthened the nervous system. And he was right. Like we had no science, they had no science to support what they were saying. It was all based off of wisdom. It's funny when you think about the trend of it. the cold plunge right now, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this is like, we were onto this a hundred years ago. Oh, you know? it, OCR and, and just sort of that, that, innate drive to to do difficult things and to challenge yourself and get outside of air conditioning and you know all the comforts and uh padded chairs and all like to me like i think this this right now it's it seems like so ancient and archaic but it's so relevant you know in terms of like how we've just really moved past all of that yes. and, and we've really just focused on how can we make things more convenient to for me to want to then keep doing this and, and, um, you know, training my body, which is, you know, there, there there's a bit of, of reason there that we have to account for in, in terms of doing it all the time, but to do something to challenge yourself, to, to really focus on being tough again, being gritty, being, um, being able to handle, uh, something like this versus to, and, and to your earlier, a point of when we were creating this, like for me, this really felt like the first time we've really addressed something that was very um, uh, competitive with something like a CrossFit, that, mm. that, that type of mentality. Oh, where, we're going to get there. Where, where we, we created something unique in this program that I was just like, oh my God, okay, this is the answer. This is the answer. This is going to get the, the conversion of that type of mentality <laughs> of person to come in and try. Oh, it. no, no. We're going to get there. Cause that's, that's exciting. I'm, I'm, I was saving that for a little later. Cause that's, I think that's my favorite part okay. of this whole thing. But you know, going back to the books, you read their dietary advice, uh, eat lots of, uh, eat lots of meat, eggs, uh, fruit, avoid too much porridge. They would say, uh, too much bread, mm. Um, a little bit of spirits is okay. Too much is not good. <laughs> um, make sure to go to bed when the sun goes down and rise when the sun comes up. This was the advice. Yeah. Yeah. And by, by the way, they started a revolution in, in, back then called, the, it was a physique sound, culture. Sound advice. It was called physique culture. People use that now as a, like a marketing term, but they actually, you know, would open up gyms a little later, what they called gymnasiums, and they'd have young men come in there. Many of them sick or with asthma. Back then, if you had asthma, you were screwed. It was hard for you to work. You couldn't work in dusty conditions. It's like, what do I do? I can't support myself. These sickly young men were brought to these gymnasiums to be trained by these bronze era strength specialists. And then they would write note, they would write letters to their parents and you can read them in the books and they would write letters to back to these, these strength coaches. You, my vitality is improved. I can work now. My asthma is almost completely gone. Mm -hmm. My parents didn't recognize me. I'm such a, I'm now so strong now, whatever. So cool to read this kind of stuff. And it was literally like, it was this new thing 
uh, that that you know we're, we're we figured out and let's apply it because it's transforming our lives. The the all the advice in there is just like I said. I re- there was nothing I read in there. Here's yeah. what I expected. I expected to read in these old books stuff that I'd be like, oh, that's what they thought. Uh, we figured that out. Nothing. I didn't get anything like that. Everything I read, I was shocked at how much they knew. Like well, the, like the cold, how the cold invigorates the nervous system. But if you're too stressed or tired then um, warm up the water a little bit. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, this is all backed by- Well, it's objective. Science now, yeah. Because the pursuit is literally uh, being able to get stronger. And I think when that's the focus, you don't, you, you can't really have a lot of bullshit in the way of that. Like, it all has to be, it all has to make sense. It has to be balanced. And your body has to be in a good state that um, it's able to really generate the the amount of force needed to do these things. And it only happens when you're healthy and vibrant. Yeah. It's, it's exciting and kind of sad at the same time. Cause here we have all this, like <laughs> we're so sophisticated and we've, we have all these studies and all this research that we've done. And like, it's like, man, have we really evolved that much further than what we were a hundred years ago, as far as our knowledge around like how to get fit and healthy and strong. It's like, man, it's pretty, we pretty much had it nailed back then. And if anything, we've overcomplicated that, uh, today's time, right? I think yeah. we've, we've made it more difficult than it needs to be. There's some very basic principles that we've known for a very long time that works really well. And so it, it is a bit sad when you think about, you know, here we are a hundred years later. And when you think of We're all rediscovering, that, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. And cold plunging is like a trend now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, all the stuff like heat, cold, plunge, like the diet, like I said, they wrote in the books about um, in order to gain, you know, in order to gain, uh, God, what was the term that they used? Heft or something like that, right? It's like an old term, right? <laughs> or, you know, like basically in order to gain muscle, uh, you make sure you eat uh, well, but don't eat until you're stuffed. Like wisdom, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you want to eat, but also maintain good health. So don't eat until you can't, you know, breathe anymore. Yeah. Uh, all of them avoided, you know, sweets, as they would say, uh, and breads and stuff like that. And their meals were very, obviously, all whole foods. Uh, back then, processed foods yeah. barely existed except for canned goods. Um, so, I mean, really, really cool stuff to read and research leading up to the development uh, of this program. And then we applied what we understand about training science, um, application, workout programming, and here's where it gets real fun. I'm going to go back. Now I'm going to go to what you were talking about, Justin. Oh, finally. This is the first program we've ever created where the goal of this program, that you're going to get fit. You're going to look amazing. You're going to get sculpted. You know, it's, you're going to get great results, all the stuff that people want. But the goal of this program is to accomplish three challenges and to do them and see how well you do. And you can compare yourself to other people. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. We actually uh, corrected, uh, we put formulas in there for both men and women. And it doesn't matter your body weight. There's three challenges in this program that you're training and leading up to being able to perform. Then you perform them, you record your numbers, and that number is your number, and you can compare this to anybody else to see where you are on this. And we we picked three challenges that uh, really exemplify the kind of the full picture of strength. And the the funny thing about this is, as I read them off, you're probably going to think, oh, I can do that one for <laughs> one of them. The other two, probably not. Yeah. And, and so it's very interesting because you'll find out real quick 
what you're good at and what you're not good at. Well, what I like about it too is if you know anybody's um, watched or tried out doing a, a powerlifting meet, it's there's always one of those lifts that you're a little bit weaker in and early. You don't have the the, the same leverage uh, advantage and. Um, so this is sort of a little bit more robust uh, in terms of like we have a few exercises within each category, uh, but it's going to test you in completely different ways. And you're going to probably excel in one and probably need a lot more attention uh, towards the other. And so yeah. it'll be fun to see, to test yourself, to see kind of where you end up. Now, I don't remember. Did we did we say in the program? I mean, I think it's important you you test it first so you can see kind of where you are with no training towards that and then run through the program and then retest and see where you're at. I don't know if we actually wrote that in the program. You could definitely do that. Although I would imagine a lot of people aren't going to be able to do some of the lifts. Well, that's if, part if you're of an deal. experienced lifter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, part of the deal. Do yeah. Yeah. If yeah. You, <laughs> you go to perform like I can't even do it. I mean, that's, that's what I mean is like you should definitely look at what the tests are so you can see what it's like to just go through that and how difficult it is for you. And then as you go through it, if we've done our job really well, we mm -hmm. can take somebody who may not even be able to perform some of those movements and then not only be able to perform them, but perform them well by the end of the program. All three would represent a very well-rounded strength person. So somebody who's got really well-rounded strength. So here's the first challenge. Um, and so then this will give you an idea of kind of what we're working up to. The first one is called a strength challenge. So this is a maximal strength challenge. And, and it's based off of what a, let's say a bronze era athlete would do for an audience. Okay. Mm -hmm. The first one is a barbell single hand deadlift. So imagine doing a deadlift, except you're using just one hand. Okay. Then the other one is a bent press. Uh, this is a specific type of overhead press. It definitely uses a lot of lateral stability, way more shoulder mobility. It's one of the most full range of motion shoulder movements you could do. Uh, but the leverage allows you, if you perform this right, to 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 if you practice, lift tremendous amounts of weight. There's and then a it, definitive technique to it that you need to learn, and obviously this will expose. Yes. And then the last one is a barbell hack squat. So what you do with the strength challenge is check out what your max is. For all three of those, you combine the weight and then it becomes a percentage of your body weight and then that's your number. So if your combined weight for all three of them was 200 pounds, you weigh 100 pounds, you just did 200% of your body weight. So this takes into account your body weight so you can compare yourself uh, with other people. The next one is the stamina challenge. And essentially what you're doing is you're trying to do as many reps as you can of the following. There's Hindu push-ups. Uh, otherwise known as dive bomber push-ups. Uh, there's a front squat and then something called a seesaw press. This is like a shoulder press, but the arms are, are alternating and pumping constantly. And you're looking at total reps for all three of them. And then the weight that you pick, we tell you how to pick the weight. It's half your body weight for the front squat, 10% uh, of your body weight for the seesaw if you're a female or 15% of your body weight for dumbbells if you're a male. So it's cool because you can see you know, you and your husband or your wife, you and your buddies, different body weight, whatever you can compare and see, you know, where you're at. And then the grit test, this is like, this is all about your stability, your isometric strength. Uh, there's a dumbbell overhead hold. So you're holding a dumbbell up over your head with one arm. It's, uh, you pick a weight for females, 30% of your body weight for males, 50%. There's a barbell suitcase hold, 50% 
of a body weight for a female or 70% for male. And then there's the chin over bar hold. Literally, you're holding yourself over a chin up bar. For women, they set, they start at the top. Men, you have to do a full pull up. Um, and so with this, you're doing total time. What is the total time I was able to do? You know, 30 seconds here, 60 seconds here, you know, a minute here, a minute and a half here. Just got to grind your way through it. You got to grind your way through it. And now, so- You guys you guys uh, know the athletes way better than I do because um, this was something you guys were into even before we wrote this program. But these, all three of these these challenges, we we really base them off of people that were known for that type of strength, right, yeah, back then? Yeah. So, like, we sought out, like, specific old-timey strength athletes and, like, oh, th they were known for, like, strength stamina. Oh, they were known for maximal strength, right? Yeah, and George Hackenschmidt for the strength challenge, uh, Eugene Sandow for, for stamina, and then the Mighty Adam uh, was for the grit challenge. And they were known for doing feats of strength that kind of shows some. So Eugene Sandow, uh, he liked to train with super, super high reps and build mus muscular stamina. Hackenschmidt uh, is widely regarded as the strongest. Just uh, a beast. Yeah, yeah, just, I mean, if you look, I can't, I can't even believe that guy existed back then. He would he would be crazy impressive today. In a gym. He would, yeah. Be like, what is this guy on? Well, what was you know? so cool about this, this is also why I had so much fun riding it with you guys is, you know, this is the first time we did this too, where it's like we took three avatars um, that have specific attributes about them and then programmed in there if you were to address those attributes, yeah. right? So if you're going through this or and you look up these athletes and you're like, oh man, that would be cool. I, I would like to be like that. Like that was the program's written uh, for you to obtain those attributes for each one of those athletes, which yeah, was so, a lot of fun. So the program is actually six phases. It's six two-week-long phases. Now, you could take longer in each phase, uh, and we explain when you should take longer. But essentially, what you're doing is you're working through each phase, getting to the point where you could perform these challenges, all three of them, with maximal performance. So at the end of the program, you're going to maximize maximal strength, strength stamina, and that isometric kind of stability type of strength at yeah. the end of it. And so the, th think of it that way. This is the only program we've ever created specifically to get you to do a performance or be able to do a performance uh, at the end. Yeah, and I wanted to give a little bit of a, a shout out. I had to, I had, I really had to like do my research in terms of like anybody out there that could even perform these lifts. This is a very <laughs> small crowd. Okay, I know. It turns out. Uh, so Zach Kirchner, Kelly Manzone, Dave uh, Manzoni. Um, I actually. Uh, just did a a series of of Indian clubs on our subscription channel just to kind of provide that because she's very proficient uh, in teaching that, and it's it's something that's going to complement a lot of these moves as well within this program. So you know you might want to check that out as well. But they, it was it was definitely a needed program to get other professionals, not just models that look yeah. pretty uh, to do these, these, these movements. And so I, I had to like give them a bit of a shout out because it was, it was a, it was a big task for them to be able to do all this yeah. stuff. The other thing too, that I, I didn't intend, I don't think any of us intended, we never write programs with this intent, but sometimes it just turns out to be this way. It looks like one of the funnest programs that yeah. you'll do. Yeah. Now, why do we not intend to, like, to create a fun program? Because we're looking about getting people results and getting them fit. That's fun enough. If you feel good, you're getting fit and getting stronger, you're going to enjoy the program. A lot of people in the fitness industry, their entire goal is to make a workout fun and exciting, which is silly. Um, but sometimes we create a program 
where of course, of course, the goal is to give someone the best results. But then we look at it, we're like, oh my God, this looks like one of the most fun programs you could do. Part of that is because it's so different. I mean, if you've been working out for a while, uh, you'll be doing exercises you've never done before in lifts you've never done before in ways you've never done before. And it's, uh, it's super, super fun, uh, as a result. And again, the results are going to speak for themselves with something like this. Now, because we're launching this now, we have a launch special. So what we always do when we create a new program, when we first put it out, uh, we take, uh, we, and we discounted it. So here's what you're going to get with this. You go to mapsoldtime.com. Uh, and that's where you'll find the program. Use the code OLD80 uh, and you'll get $80 off the program plus two ebooks for free. These are brand new ebooks that we've never offered before. The first one is Forgotten Muscle and Strength Building Secrets. The second one is provided by our friend Jay Campbell, Living a Fully Optimized Life. We've had a couple episodes with him. He's a peptide expert. Uh, he's an expert on optimizing hormones uh, and health. You'll get those two eBooks for free along with $80 off the price of the program for the launch. And this sale ends the 27th. So you're going to have a little bit of time, not too long to take advantage of that. Again, you can find it at mapsoldtime.com. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic, nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>